0: John chapter 15 if you have your Bibles the gospel of John and chapter 15 we're gonna'm uh, gonna minister a sermon that uh, came out of a little bit of inspiration uh, as uh, Randy and I the other day were clearing out the back here uh, by the uh, by the fence and uh, what was interesting is uh, there's some grapevines back there. Apparently our our neighbor grows grapes. And uh, cutting them down, but I was amazed. And uh, we had dealt with this, uh, I think I dealt with it last year, how quickly they grew through the trees and they're wild and crazy. Grapes are one of the most wildest plants, if undealt with. It was 2003 that Methanis Wines began to produce a high quality of wines in the Napa Valley region. And in a recent newsletter, they explained how they pruned their vineyards. They said, why do we prune? Because the vine not pruned reverts very quickly to its wild nature. Climbing everywhere... As uh, with a long, twisty trunk, tiny, scraggle branches, and and uneven grapes, every year we need to assess the growth of the vines and decide whether to prune back or let them grow a little bit more or return to the same size and shape they were the year before. The part of the pleasure of pruning is the pruning craftsmanship. It's like woodworking or ceramics. A blending of form and vision. Assessing the vine's growth and adjusting the prune cuts to its individual differences. It is also a tactical relationship with nature. The living vines could easily grow wild, guided by our hands to line up with the vineyard row ready to bear another crop of wine grapes for the pleasure and nourishment. If we prune correctly, the vine will be balanced. That means it will grow just enough. If it grows too much, the result of vines will be thin and simple. If it grows too little, the wine will be bitter and hard. Just the right amount of growth is what we call balanced growth. The result of... uh, balanced wine that are delicious and show their environmental factors. Now, I'm not a wine drinker, and yet as I read that, I was profoundly moved by the scripture we're going to read, that the thought and the understanding of, of pruning back in our lives and allowing God in the Bible... God likens his people over and over to the vineyard, to vines. In fact, one scripture, and we'll look at a number of them, but just one in introduction, Psalms 80, verse 8 says, You brought us out like Egypt, uh, you brought us up from Egypt like grapevines. You drove the pagan nations and transplanted us into your land. So this imagery runs throughout the Bible of God's people being like a vine, a vineyard or a vine grape uh, plant that God will deal with and occasionally prune. John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For the branch cannot produce, produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch, and withers such are gathered into a pile to be burned, unless you live in Brighton where there are too many fire restrictions. But anyway, I would love to burn that pile, but anyway. But if you remain in me and my word remains in you, you may ask for, uh, for, for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are truly my disciples that bring glory to my Father. Great glory. I want to talk to you about the thought of fruit. Five times in this text, the word fruit is mentioned. One time, the word fruitfulness is mentioned. And when you look at the Bible, and we're not going to take a lot of time to look at this and to understand all of the dynamics of this, but there are numbers of different fruits that are mentioned in the Bible. There's the fruit of repentance. There's the fruit of the Spirit. There's the fruit of souls that come into the kingdom of God. All of these would be legitimate biblical understandings of fruit What this scripture tells us is Jesus is talking, he is concerned with fruits. He looks at our lives and the issue that he's looking for is fruits. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 43, I'm not going to read it all, but he tells a story about a landowner who had a vineyard. And in this vineyard, he dug it out, he pressed it out, grape juice, uh, and built a tower, and then he leased it out. He gave it to others. And in Jesus's day, as uh, some leases can even have uh, it built in, that some of the profits were to be shared with the landowner. And that was just part of what was to be dealt with. And so, they, he sends a number of them, they beat up one, they kill another, and finally he says, I will send my son, thinking that surely uh, they will respect my son, but when, the, uh, but when the tenants saw the farmer's son coming, they said, here's the heir, let's kill him, and drug him out, and Jesus then asked you, what do you think the owner's going to do? And then he begins to talk to the Pharisees. Yes, uh, he's going to judge them. He's going to be very angry. He's killed them, throw them out. Uh, and then have you not read the stone which the builders have rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And he says in this text, verse 43, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, the Pharisees, and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruits. So Jesus is looking for fruits. There are other parables. We could talk about the sower and the seed. How bringing that to fruit, the wheat and the tares. And there are numbers of parables that Jesus uses this image of fruit. It's a very unpowerful image. Because God te- Jesus tells us straight out in this parable, the Father is concerned with fruit in your life. Now, we could say again, this could be fruit of souls, fruit of repentance, fruits of the Spirit. Or, I'm sorry, fruit of the Spirit. It's really not plural, but we make it plural. See, God wants fruit. That's what he's looking for. When he looks at our lives, the examination of our lives aren't always, you know, how good we are at this, or how long we've done that, or how, you know, talented we are here. He's looking for fruit. Isaiah 5, verses 1 through 4, and now, now I will sing uh, for the one I love song about his vineyard. My beloved has a vineyard on rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted with the best vines in the middle He built a watchtower and carved out a winepress in the nearby rocks. He waited for the harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes grew bitter. Again, if they grow wild, they grow bitter. And now, you people of Jerusalem and Judea, you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not already done? What... what, uh, when I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Here, this is what God is asking through the prophet. Again, comparing the children of Israel, the tribe of Judah here. There's numbers of reasons why the grapes could be not unus- uh, unusable. They, this could be an outside effect. could be a fungus that gets on them. Funguses go through plants and such, uh, and uh, and can kill. Sometimes it's bugs and different other problems that can cause a vine to die. Matthew 13:22 and the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the word but are too quickly, uh, but are all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. And the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. So, there's outside factors that can try to get into our lives and interfere with the fruit God wants us. This can be all sorts of things from distraction to sin. This can be from uh, uh, an overseeking of pleasure to a desire to be bitter. Sometimes it's because the branch is damaged if you when you leave if you're curious you can look into the trees you'll see some brown leaves in there these are the vines that were cut and now are dying dead probably by now they've been severed this has been damaged that now i damaged them with a chainsaw but nevertheless they were damaged This can happen sometimes by carelessness. We can damage things. We can damage by storms, by other effects of life that can come. I actually had thought of using some pictures, but decided against it back in 2015. My daughter sent me a little article from a Lithuanian newspaper called 15 Minutes. And it was an apartment building that we lived in that one of the trees, now uh, across the street was a park and there were, and the park was kind of up on a hill and one of the trees had been rotted out from the inside, bugs had eaten it out and during a windstorm it actually broke and slammed into, now we lived on the top floor but it actually slammed into our neighbor's side of the building. And it had made uh, news because of the most famous poet in Lithuanian history. Uh, At that time, uh, he he lived in that building. A former president's daughter lived in that building for a little while. And so uh, it wasn't that fancy of a building, just so you know. But it was. It just had that. And it was rotted from the inside and a storm took it out. Jesus warns us in our text that he cuts off every branch that does not produce fruit. He'll prune back so it produces more. But then warns us not to try to find another source. Verses 4 through 6, Remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, nor can you uh, be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into piles to be burned there's some people they disconnect from god they disconnect their lives they want their sin they don't want god to interrupt their standards as god's looking for fruits of repentance and fruits of the spirit and fruits of soul and and they don't no don't god don't interrupt me don't bother me with that Sometimes there's plants that never mature. My wife was given a number of plants from Claire Van Epps, and and we planted them, and and one of them that we planted, these are just flowers, I think they're tulips, I'm not 100% sure exactly what they were. But one of them never flowered. The green is there, but it never produces its beauty or its fruit. It probably wasn't buried deep enough or maybe too close to other things or whatever, but there's some plants that stop maturing. They stop growing. They will tell you when you buy certain plants from wherever you buy them from, a nursery or a big box store, that you have to take them out of the pot because if you leave them in the pot, the roots will restrict how much that plant can grow. Self-imposed hindrances. Luke thirteen six through 9 Jesus tells a story about a man who planted a fig tree in his garden. And he came to see again and again if there was any fruit on it. And after three years, there was still no fruit on it. So he told his gardener, I've waited three years. It's not produced one single fruit. Cut it down. And the gardener pleaded. He said, give me one more chance. Let me put fertilizer around it. Let me pay special attention to it. And if we don't get any fruit by this time next year, we'll cut it down. It's a very merciful parable. There's a lot going on there. But Jesus says that over and over, not having fruit is not acceptable. It's not acceptable to God. Then he makes this statement in this too, the branches that produce fruit, verse 2, Will be pruned back so they produce more fruit. Again, as I read this article about from the winery, that they realize that they they can't just let it grow wild. It's not about just having more grapes because at that point the grapes suffer, the fruit suffers because of that. They have to prune them back. Isaiah chapter 5, we read again how Israel was compared to God's personal interest, and listen to what he goes on to say, now let me tell you what I want to do to my vineyard. I will tear down the hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down the walls and let the animals trample on it. I will make it a wild place where vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, The ground will overtake the briars, and I command the clouds to not drop rain on it. God's so concerned with fruit, He wants good fruit. He wants good fruit from your life. John the Baptist challenged the Pharisees to bring forth the fruits of repentance God wants to do and deal with this. There's times He's going to come with trimming shears to your life. Now, there's some obvious ones. There's Sometimes it's a sin issue that God is going to tell you you cannot go any further in His will and purposes because of the sin. It's got to be dealt with. It's going to have to be cut. It's going to have to be severed. It's going to have to be left to destroy to die, because left on its own, it will destroy you. Sin is not neutral. You can't just sin a little and then think that's all. Sometimes it's things that interfere with what God has for your life. They may not be sin. They may not be, you know, uh, you're not robbing banks and, and selling fentanyl on the corner. I get that. But maybe there's just attitudes or issues in your life that are interfering and putting your life out of balance. That you're either not producing any fruits or you're producing bitter and hard fruits. Maybe it's an attitude. Hebrews 12 asks the question, that is a painful question to most of us. It says these words, Have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline when he comes to correct you. For the Lord disciplines those who he loves. And he punishes each one and accepts uh, uh, each one he accepts as a child. If you endure this divine discipline, remember God is treating you like his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, that means that you are illegitimate and not really his child at all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who discipline us, should we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our, our spirits and live forever? But God disciplines. Uh, God, but God's discipline is not uh, is is always good for us, so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening; it's painful. Afterwards, there is a peaceable harvest. Of right living for those who are trained by its ways. Ever had God spank you? I have. Been a Christian for 39 plus years. Had times where God said, no, no, no. You know that attitude you had? Come here. Knock it off. It's never fun. No one ever said, you know what, I really enjoyed that part of my childhood when I got in trouble. My parents had to ground me or spank me or whatever. No one says that. But that's for our own good. To tell us what behaviors are acceptable and not acceptable. God's pruning is like that. I can't imagine being a plant and being pruned because humans aren't pruned in that sense. about the greatest thing we have pruned is our hair, right? And we get a haircut. Other than that, toenails or whatever. But, you know, it's not like we do this. But God is working, and when He deals with you, when He puts His finger on an issue, He deals with you. And I've seen people who will not, they will not, allow God to change them in that area. And before too long, they're wondering if Darwin was right. It's amazing to me because they won't receive when God prunes their life. Jesus tells us this parable is all about fruit. It's not really even a parable, but he's using the imagery of God's vineyard and God wanting more and better fruit from your life. And he'll deal with you, he'll trim, he'll bring out areas because he wants good fruit from your life. Our text says, I am the true vine. You have to stay in Jesus, and my Father is the gardener. Romans gives us the imagery of an olive tree, but it's the same kind of imagery, that you and I were the wild branches that were grafted into God, into the source. Jesus says, I'm the source. And he warns us, he says, for those who want to treat that poorly, God cut off branches so you could be there. Do you think he wouldn't cut you off to put someone else there? He warns us because he's looking for fruit. He says in verse 8, When you produce much fruit, you are truly my disciples. You bring great glory to my Father. Verse 16 of John 15 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. And so the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Verse 7 of our text, but that you remain in me, and my word remains in you, and may you ask for anything you want, it will be granted. God says in, in this desire for fruit, I will give you whatever you need. Whatever it is. Now let me just warn you. What we need and what we want are often two different things. You probably want a Lamborghini. You probably don't need a Lamborghini. If you don't crash it in the first day, you're going to spend a lot of time in court explaining to the judge why you were doing 120 on 490. Right? You probably don't need, but what you need, God is more than willing to give you so that you can produce the fruit He's called us to produce. God says, I am willing to, what what do you need? What do you need God's in heaven. I've seen this in the practical. I've seen this among humans. I've told the story a little bit that when the first buyer of our old building backed away, we were at conference and someone came to me and said, what do you need? A lot of money. Like tomorrow. Okay. We'll get it to you. And they did. A lot of money. I like a lot. Like more money I can think of. Anyway. But anyway. What do you need? God says, what do you need? I'll get it to you. I, whatever you need for your fruitfulness, I'll get it to you. Does it help in an area? We'll clip that off. Is it more fertilizer? and I'll get that to you. More what? What is it? I'll get it to you. It's available to you and I. It's interesting that Psalms, the book of praise, starts out, chapter 1, O oh, the joys of those who follow, O oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, nor stand around with sinners, nor join in with the mockers. They delight in the law, uh, uh, law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners have no place among the godly. But the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. It's very interesting that the very first psalm deals with the issue of fruit. Like a tree planted by a water source. You know, i uh, fascinated, you know, I I look up facts as visiting preachers come and such. And that 20 to 25%, depending on a couple of different factors of the world's fresh water are in the five lakes here. We've got plenty. Water's not an issue here. We've got lots of water. 25% of the world's fresh water is in those lakes. Now, I don't know how drinkable by the time it gets to Ontario it is, but it's still there. We have the source, an unlimited source of water here, unlike places like California and such but we have unlimited source god says there's an unlimited source of resources for you to be fruitful sometimes this means we have to die to self desires luke 12:23 through 28 but now the time has come for the son of man to enter into his glory and i tell you the truth unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies it remains alone But its death produces many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. For those who love their lives in this world will lose it, but those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. And anyone who serves me must follow me and be my servants where I am. And my Father will honor the one who serves me. I understand there's balances There's responsibilities of this life. There's things we have to take care of. Obviously, don't quit your job and go out witnessing because Jesus is coming like they did in Thessalonica. And then put it on your brothers and sisters to support you. But the need Jesus is looking for is people who are contending for fruit. Contending to have that Element in their lives. I'll close with this. Urban, Urban T. Holmes III said these words or wrote these words Any good gardener knows that beautiful roses require careful pruning. Pieces of a living plant have to die, they cannot just grow on and grow wild. We cannot simply celebrate growth. It must be more regretted. It's tragic when we've lost sight of the growth that Christ requires in careful pruning. Pieces of our, us, intentionally actions, they need to die. If we are becoming the person that God wants us to be in God's vision. Then we are cutting away the cancerous growths and making room for the growth that he intended. That's what Jesus is talking about in our parable. He's going to cut away certain things. He's going to make you more fruitful. It's not always pleasant, I'm sure, for plants. I've cut back things, you know, isn't, isn't it interesting Grass takes a lot of effort to grow. Weeds take none. It's fascinating to me. But, you know, that's the way it is. It's true in our lives, too. We've got to cut back some things, deal with some things, and allow God to make us be the fruitful people He's called us to be. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. One of the desperate fruit problems that people have is the fruit of sin sin affects people's lives in a horrible way and it does bring a harvest a harvest of pain a harvest of 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 destruction of shame that's the nature of sin but jesus christ shed his blood on calvary's cross so that you don't have to live in that nature you can be what he says, born again. That God will begin to help you. As I've been saved for almost 40 years, as I said, when I got saved, I had all sorts of things that I wasn't proud of and things I did. But from that day to this, I've never smoked another cigarette or anything else. I don't drink any more alcohol. God set me free. Part of the way he did that was dealt with the issues of my heart that I was trying to cover up with those things. The other thing that helped me was he took away the desires. He pruned them out of my life. I can't say I've never been tempted, but I can say that I successfully was able to overcome it, which was nothing like the way I was before. god had done a miracle and he will do a miracle for you if you're here tonight you're not right with god you need god to do a miracle for you you're willing to leave your sin you're willing to receive jesus christ as your personal lord and savior it would be our honor to pray with you and if that's you i wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say pastor would you pray for me i want to give my life to jesus christ i want god to change my life want to be born again, anyone at all, very quickly, slip up your hand, pray for me, I need Jesus to help me, maybe you're backslidden, you once knew the Lord, but maybe you wouldn't deal with issues, and it took you away, as God dealt with you, you said no to God, God know you're not having that area, or you're not dealing with this, and as a result, you're away from God, God will take you back, God wants to help you anyone at all very quickly slip up your hand your backslid. you need to come back to Jesus Christ receive him in your heart anyone very quickly changing the call then to Christians God will sometimes spank you he will prune he will deal his goal is to make you more fruitful his desire he's looking for fruit looking for the fruits of repentance the fruits of souls the fruit of the spirit whatever it might be in our lives he's going to prune back and deal and deal and bring us to that place where you and I can have those as he desires in our life and it's a lifetime work because you know what you can come to the altar and deal with it trim it back but you know isn't it amazing how it grows again you got to do it again and do it again. Do it again. Cut along again. Cut a bush back again. You gotta deal with these things and constantly keep it. Because in our nature is that constant desire to grow wild. And God will prune back so that we can be fruitful. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We're gonna sing a song, worship his name. For I know my Redeemer lives. Give Lord Him grace. I know. Let's worship him. Father, we love you.